There is a wonderful and awesome presence of the Lord in this house. I want to enjoy His embrace. I want to share with you a message I began last week. I want to conclude it. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. And the second part of this message that I want to share with you, I spoke to you about an open door. And as Jesus spoke to the churches in Revelation, he says, seven lampstands are my seven witnesses. The church is a witness in the earth. And he said, I know your witness, and it lacks this, or it needs this, or because of your witness, I'm going to give you a greater witness. If you weren't here last week, please check out that uh, teaching. It's on our website. What I want to share with you this morning is, is as I ended that from Joel 2.17, it said there needs to be weeping between the porch and the altar. That porch is the door to the tabernacle. So there needs to be weeping between the door that we have with God and the altar of sacrifice. And so to be a witness, there must be a sacrifice. We celebrate Palm Sunday today, the, the day of triumphal entry, when Christ For the joy set before him endured the cross. He's coming into Jerusalem to endure the cross and to give a sacrifice. And he told his disciples to follow him. Anyone who followed Rabbi would follow him in all that he did with the expectation that we will do what he does. And and so that's what he expects of us. So if if he went to the cross, guess what he's expecting of us? to go to the cross. And so there's a sacrifice that is essential. And what I want to share with you is the mystery of sacrifice and the power of sacrifice. And it says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. And this is, what does this verse call it? A what? A demonstration. A public, physical demonstration of the love of God showed up on planet earth in the person and body of Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God, the full embodiment of who he is, showed up and through his sacrifice, he demonstrated the love of God. He demonstrated the love of God. That's what a sacrifice is. A sacrifice is a demonstration of love. When you give something up for someone, you are demonstrating your love to them. And may I say that if there has been a problem within the church in America, we've stopped sacrificing. We've stopped demonstrating our love for Christ. We've turned Christianity into a love for us. It's about what we can get. Come have Jesus. You won't have this. You won't have any sorrow. You won't have any pain. He'll do everything for you. He'll give you whatever you want. And if you give him some cash, he'll double it. What a deal. Give him 10%, you'll get 100 back. Come on. It's about getting what you need. And Jesus is that answer. And that's the failing of the church. Paul saw this in the book of Galatians. And he said, oh, you stupid Galatians. Well, I'll pretty it up a little bit. Oh, you foolish Galatians. Well, the the harshness of this word in the Greek is you stupid imbeciles. 
How could this happen? How could this happen even to the church in America? Foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has drawn you in? Who has enticed you? So that, wasn't it before your eyes that Jesus Christ was what? Publicly portrayed as crucified. Jesus didn't get crucified in a corner somewhere. He didn't give his life in a house. He gave his life in public before mankind through a Roman consulate. It's written in the history books. It is eyewitnessed by many. Christ publicly demonstrated his love for us and therefore Christianity is to be publicly demonstrated. The early church met in the porch or the portico of Solomon, Solomon's porch. They went right where the high priest was. They went where all the people were, where all the Jews were. Once they were in an upper room, hidden, weren't they? But when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they made this thing public. Peter stood up in front of the people and said, you crucified him. Now get right with God. He made it public. Christianity is a public demonstration of the crucified love of Jesus Christ for mankind. And the Galatians were ready to give that up to go back to the law. And he said, what, what happened to you? Now this is a very interesting verse because it's not only talking about how Christ's sacrifice was a public demonstration of his love, but but this is specifically to the Galatians that Paul is saying that he somehow publicly portrayed Christ crucified. The, the people of Galatia weren't at the crucifixion of Jesus. So, I mean, you could take this as a general statement that Jesus died publicly on the cross, yes, but also this is something specific to them in Paul's teaching to the church at Galatia when he birthed this church. He must have somehow, some way, publicly demonstrated before their eyes the crucifixion of Jesus. Theologians are trying to understand, did he put on a passion play? Did he somehow verbally explain literally how the nails were put in? Did he demonstrate it? But he somehow so passionately, so wonderfully Paul, he somehow demonstrated and portrayed the crucifixion and the cost that it took for us. And he poured out his heart to these people. That's why as their father, he's rebuking them. Come on! That's what he's saying to them. Come on, my spiritual children. Who's bewitched you? What? You received this. You understood it. You got it. Now, how could you so easily lose it? And so I wonder, church in America, do we get it? And I'll tell you how we'll know if we got it, we will do what he does. What does that mean then? What it means is we will become living sacrifices. This is what Paul said we must do. It is our reasonable act of worship. It's interesting when you read Romans 12 and you consider the different translations. It, it says this, um, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So what are we to present to the Lord as a living sacrifice? Anybody? Anybody? Hey, yeah, the answer's right there, right, our body. We would prefer to give him our thoughts and quite often our suggestions. 
I'm a sacrifice for you, Jesus, I prayed. What does he require of us? Our bodies. That means everything you got should show up every day for Jesus. Now, I don't mean to diminish the prayer closet. Most definitely we need a prayer closet, and I'll get into prayer in a minute. But what this verse says is, you need to show up. We've divorced our intellect from our bodies in Western Christianity. The Hebrew believer, the Eastern mindset, if you believe something, you do it. There's no distinction between what you believe and how you act. But in Western Christianity, we can believe one thing and do something completely contrary to it. And say, I still believe. Still believe. You have to offer your body. Present your body to the Lord. And then, as I said, the rest of this verse reads out this way. And it says, which is holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship, or some translations say your reasonable act of worship. This is quite reasonable considering what God had done. Reason this out. If Christ has done this, He calls you to do it. That's reasonable, isn't it? It is an act of worship. This is worship. To sacrifice our bodies. What do I mean by that? Well, He wants you living. Thank God for the word right in front of that. What is a living sacrifice? It is one who daily, as they're alive, dies to self and gives to Christ. And gives to others. And This is what I believe is coming. It's in us. We're feeling it. We're knowing the rumbling. The witness of the church is rising up to come back to this primitive consideration that I am to die to self. This is the Gospel. And I'm to give myself daily to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm to deny self. I am to bring a sacrifice. A witness. If we're to be as witnesses, a witness is a public sacrifice to Christ. What is that public sacrifice? It comes in many shapes and in many forms. It is a demonstration of love. And if it is not a sacrifice, it has no value. Right? Can't be an afterthought. Can't be a what if. Oh, yeah, maybe. It's got to cost us something. Because it'll truly be a sacrifice when it costs us something. You remember what David said. David had to bring a sacrifice for his sin, for numbering the people. A plague came on Israel because of it. God commanded him to sacrifice and offer, so he went to the, uh, to the threshing floor and the man was ready to give it to him. And David said this in 2 Samuel 24-24, No, I must, I insist on paying for it. It, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. But that's what we consider grace. We're good. <laughs> it's free. I don't have to do anything in return. Thank you. Would you supply me my needs according to your riches? And I'll give you some praise now and then. He, he, he requires our lives, living sacrifices. And so this is a public witness. Did you ever consider that in the Old Testament every sacrifice was a public sacrifice? 
When the high priest had to cleanse and, and offer sacrifice for his sins, he stood in front of the camp. When people came and brought their sacrifice, it was to the camp. It was in front of the camp. Every sacrifice was public. Every wave offering, every peace offering, every sin offering, it was public. It was before the people to say, yeah, this, is, this one's for me, and I'm laying my life down. When he laid his hand on that animal, he was publicly declaring that this animal is dying for me. And this is our witness, that we would publicly declare that the Son of God died for me. I can give you some money because the Son of God gave me everything. I can give you my help. I can spend a day with you. I can pray for you. I can care for you because He cares for me ever, eternally. And this is the sacrifice that's coming in the church. It's coming back. It's, it's reviving. And, and, and this me generation and this I me mine, get me mine is leaving. It's evaporating because it has no weight in the church. And it's being overrun by our culture to not, uh, make us nominal. And, and what's coming back is a living sacrifice because you can't mess with the reality of laying a life down. You may not agree with who Jesus is. You may not like who Jesus is. But you won't deny that if I give you out of my love to Christ, I believe in Him. And so God is expecting His church to witness once again by demonstrations of love. But here's the thing. When you get into this life of sacrifice and you begin to sacrifice to the one you love, guess what? That demonstration of love is no longer sacrifice, is it? It's something you desire. Though it costs you, it's something that you love doing. Wife's on the couch. Can I get you anything? Yeah, get me a Pepsi. I was hoping you would say you didn't want anything. I'll jump up and run to the fridge and get you a Coke and come back and give it to you. Isn't that delightful? Don't you love that? A little bit of a sacrifice. Such a small little sacrifice of my effort, of my time, but it was of love. And it builds into our relationship a demonstration of love. Now that's simple compared to the cross. But what are we doing in comparison to the cross? Are we demonstrating it? So what are these acts of sacrifice? There's no greater love than this. There's no greater love. Let's go to the pinnacle of love then. Let's go to the greatest declaration of love. There's no greater love than this, Jesus said, that what? A man would lay down. A man or a woman would lay down their life. For what? A friend, let alone an enemy. First John. John says this, By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us. Remember? Demonstrated. Sacrifice is a demonstration. It's a public witness. Jesus publicly declared, I love you. If you're wondering if Jesus loves you, He publicly told everybody He does. And He told everybody He loves you. Now, would we be ashamed of Him? He's not ashamed of us. He publicly declared it. And so he says this, He laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. What are acts of sacrifice? Prayer and fasting. It's a regular discipline of sacrifice. I'm going to take my time and devote it to Him 
It's really simple. Fasting is a sacrifice of food and nutrition to the body so that I may love Him. That I may abstain this so that I may gain that for Him. I abstain to gain. And Isaiah 58 talks about the true sense of sacrificial fasting in that what I don't buy for clothing, I'll give to somebody else. What I don't eat today, I'll take the food and give to someone else. And so a fasted life is a sacrificial life. It's regularly sacrificing. Publicly sacrificing, declaring, and giving. The fast in Isaiah 58 was was not just for a spiritual fast and not just for a spiritual exercise, but the spiritual manifested into the physical. That's from going from the door to the altar. What you receive from the, the prayer life and revelation of the Lord, you manifest into the physical. That's the difference between the Logos and the Rhema. The Logos is the Word of God, the written Word of God that you commune, you learn, you grow from, and then when you put it into action, it becomes a Rhema Word. You live it. What good is it for all of us to come here and hear the Word of God on Sunday and if we don't activate it on Monday? It's not a sacrifice and it's not a public witness to the Lord. And again, this is what's happened, but I'm not going to focus. I have to tell you what's happened because we have to realize why we're in the mess we're in. But I know that this is the generation and this is the hour that it's changing and we're not going to stay that way because we're getting the revelation. God wants a people who will sacrifice once again. And the joy of sacrifice is wonderful. So prayer and fasting is something we do at the door, something we do with Christ, and then we manifest it into the physical sacrifice and witness of touching lives. That's the church. It's been the witness and the heritage of the church. We change lives. Secondly, praise is a sacrifice. The fruit of our lips giving praise. The fruit of our calves. Calves, C-A-L-V-E-S. We're not talking about the back of your legs. What he's, what he's making reference to in Hosea and what he's making reference to, uh, as Paul is saying, is that it used to be an animal sacrifice in the Old Testament. Public witness. But now that animal sacrifice, the calves, has now become our lips. And so now the praise that we're to give and the sacrifice we're to bring to the Lord publicly is our praise. It's a sacrifice. Now you may be uh, an introvert, or introvert, you might be an extrovert, but at some point you are to vocally, verbally, that's what the Bible calls praise. It's a vocal enunciation of His praise. It may be a sacrifice for you, but it, what it offers is a public witness even though it may be among believers we're publicly witnessing. And what happens when a sacrifice of praise comes forth? There is a pouring out. There is a response from heaven. Anytime there is a sacrifice given, there is a response from God. Anytime a public witness, a public sacrifice, when you lay something down for God, He responds to you. The Old Testament was fire coming to the altar. It was restoration coming to Israel. It was the glory cloud moving upon them. It's a response. You give unto God and there's a response back to you. 
Paul and Silas began to cry out in prison a sacrifice of praise. The response was, hold on, boys, it's going to shake a whole lot of shaking going on. Prison bars opened up, the shackles fell off, and they kept praising God. God will bring a response. Some of you have closed bars of iron in your chest and chains on your soul, and you begin to praise God, and things begin to break loose there was ever a demonstration amen amen if there was ever a demonstration of the act of praise as a sacrifice this morning was key you all entered into it did you feel the shift in the atmosphere a sacrifice given you gave the morning sacrifice and God met us with his tangible presence in this place we were stirred we were brought to a place of silence and humility you could feel it God responds to the sacrifice There's the sacrifice of giving. It is more blessed to give than to receive. This is a principle of the kingdom because it is a sacrifice. God wants you to give something. Don't worry, I'm not asking for any more money. Thank God. Hey, listen, folks. We met our 925,000 goal over 10 years. That's crazy. That's That's amazing. This little community church over 10 years raised $925,000 to pay for this renovation so that the next generation will have a building that won't collapse on them. And this building's built like a rock. It's going to stay here till Jesus comes. I would imagine he'll visit this place. He'll hold services here during the millennial reign. Uh, how many of you are excited about that? But you did that. You gave a sacrifice. You gave. It cost something. It cost you one less latte. You gave. And at work, you need to begin to consider the sacrifice of giving. How many of you have given something? You, you, you give in your last dime. You gave your last shirt. You gave something because someone needed it. It felt good because it was a demonstration of love. God needs a church that will demonstrate His love. Not just sing about it, talk about it, but do it. And so sacrifice is essential to the Christian life. We give, and last of all, we do. This is what has defined the church through the ages. Hospitals were developed because Christians cared. Orphanages were developed because Christians cared. If you'll look at uh, the history of revival, the first awakening, the second awakening, what happened after that was a great wave of benevolence from the church. Where revival came action was put in to work and this is what a revival does this is what the outpouring of the holy spirit does he gets us to act and move as we should through sacrifice it's called indifferent benevolence look it up historically indifferent benevolence it came at the first great awakening second great awakening salvation army was developed uh, uh, the 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 organizations that stopped slavery that stopped child labor that helped the women's movement all of these were called indifferent benevolence it's called indifferent because it meant that you were not concerned about you you were concerned about those you cared for and this is a move of the church this is the church historically it changes culture. The reason the United States is so blessed and so amazing as all other nations is because of Christianity sacrificing for the sake of others. But something happened and we got tricked. Oh, foolish people, we got tricked. 
but not us anymore. I won't be fooled again. How many of you are there? I'm going to give a sacrifice to God. And so by doing this, we begin to offer to God what needs to be offered. Now here's the key to a sacrifice. A sacrifice doesn't add a thing to the cross. It demonstrates it. Don't think for a minute because you offered a sacrifice to God, you got more brownie points in heaven. I'm going to get a little closer to Jesus. I just gave 10 bucks to that guy who needed something. No, you can't add anything to the finished work of the cross. Our salvation is solely based upon the cross of Jesus Christ. It will all get there and no flesh will glory in his sight. But understand this, he does want a sacrifice from us because it demonstrates the love he gave us. And so how many of you want to portray Jesus to a dying world? Come on, I love him so much. I want you to know him. I want you to know Him. I want you to know Him. I love Jesus so much. I, I, I like to pray. Can I pray for you? Because uh, so that's what I like. St- I, I've been talking to people like that. And it's wonderful because I begin to, I begin to pour out to them and say, hey, you know what? Do you need anything to pray for? Because I talk to Jesus. He talks to me. I like to pray. What do you need? What can we do? Begin to demonstrate. What do you need? What can I give? And that's what He wants. Sacrifice. Now, you need to understand Physical, public display of Christianity. Isn't it interesting that Christianity is absolutely other than the world? Other religions will kill you if you don't believe their way. Christianity says, I'll die for you. It's a complete opposite. Christianity says, you count more than me. Christianity says, I'll give you what you need. Take from me. This is so contrary to the world. And so a sacrifice changes the atmosphere. How many of you know what the devil's called? He's the prince of the power of what? The air. air. He traffics over nations, countries, regions to get men and people addicted to move into sin and destroy the atmosphere over a region so that they become selfish and they become sinful because he knows sin breeds death. But sacrifice is the royal gift of love demonstrated that will break the atmosphere over a nation. I believe that if Christians began to demonstrate the love of God through sacrifice, we're going to see a shifting in the atmosphere. Now we've been given a community over from 8 to 16 in Grosbeck to the lake. And I want to shift the atmosphere. How many of you? We're going to change the atmosphere. Because look, at a sacrifice changes the atmosphere. And if you can sustain that atmosphere that is shifting, it will change the climate. How many of you know that? Climate is adjusted by atmosphere. You live in Alaska, it's cold. You live in Florida, it's hot. This is not rocket science, it's weather science. What do you call that? What? Meteorology. There you go, I can't even say it. That's good enough. It changes the climate, doesn't it? And when a climate's changed, and if you can sustain it, it changes an identity. In Florida, our Floridians. In Alaska, Eskimos. They dress different. They talk different. They act different. Their, their, their nature is different because of the climate, because of the atmosphere. The enemy knows this. And he wants to keep an atmosphere over us. But if we would begin to sow sacrifice in, physically show up, 
That's what I'm talking about. I, I shared these verses. Do I have to go back? Jesus demonstrated his love for us publicly, right? I need you to be living sacrifices so that you present your bodies. Show up! Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence, substance, evidence, substance, evidence of things not seen. Your salvation needs to have substance and what? Evidence. Show up. And so if we would sacrifice and live for Christ, demonstrating the love he gave to us to others, it will change the atmosphere. If we can sustain that giving, it will change the climate. If we can sustain that climate, it'll change the identity of a territory. And if you sustain that identity, it will change a culture. What Detroit needs, what this region needs, are Christians who will sacrifice their lives to demonstrate the love of Jesus, then we'll be witnesses and we'll change the very climate of this region. Detroit has more churches per capita than any other city in the nation. But the climate stinks. Why? Because there's no true demonstration. That's up to us. Ain't nobody else. It's up to us, right? And so we can do this. But what do you need to do to sustain it? Daily sacrifice is required. Is this a new doctrine? Am I teaching a new doctrine? Not at all. No greater love. No greater love. Say it with me. No greater love. No greater love. Everybody say it. No greater love. There is no greater love than what? sacrifice you lay down your life jesus said that if anyone would come after me let him deny himself and what take up his cross how often daily if we will regularly sacrifice whatever it is in time in prayer in fasting and giving in in touching and reaching giving ourselves to the love and demonstration of christ Daily, we will change the climate of this region. It's not enough to drive to the church and get in the house and then go. That is not Christianity. It is not enough. Well, pastor, sacrifice isn't good because it's better to obey than sacrifice. Well, what Saul did with that is he was just being religious. Can I tell you, obedience is the sacrifice. Obedience is the sacrifice. Obedience is denying self and obeying Him. And so we can give religious head nods, but that is not the sacrifice God wants. He wants your heart. He wants all of it. And this is what the Lord is saying. And so I conclude with this. What does it look like to sacrifice? What does it look like to give? Turn with me to Isaiah 61, and I'll conclude. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is what? upon me the sacrifice of christ let me explain this very quickly as you're turning to isaiah 61 jesus died on the cross paying the price for our sins he took the judgment of god upon the sin of adam upon himself taking the wrath of god against sin dying to fulfill the purposes of the law rising again breaking the power of sin and death so that he can take sin from us so that he could put what in us? His spirit, the spirit of holiness. The spirit of holiness could not dwell in us as long as we had sin in us. So the cross was unto the Holy Spirit. The cross 
was to get rid of sin in his people so that he could pour in his presence of his Holy Spirit. So what Jesus recited in Luke chapter 4 was Isaiah 61, which is prophetic of him, which is prophetic of the church. And this is us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Say that with me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. One more time. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. That's you. That's me. That means it should show up. It will show up in sacrifice. Another word for sacrifice is demonstration. To demonstrate publicly. And he goes on and he says this. To do what? To bring good news. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, open prison doors, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and vengeance of our God, and to comfort. Those are verbs. Somebody show up and do these things. You can't just, you can't just say and think about it. Somebody's got to show up. Somebody's got to open the prison door. Somebody's got to proclaim. He sent me to bind up brokenhearted. All of these are verbs. And then he says this. This is glorious. To grant to those who mourn in Zion. The word grant, another translation, is to appoint. That is from a role of authority. We who are anointed by God have the authority to grant and to appoint to those who are wounded, weeping, and hurting. This is what we're to do. He says, I want you to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. Stop giving people ashes. Stop burning people. Begin to crown them with the authority Christ has given you. And begin to speak gladness to them. Begin to speak liberation to them. He's looking for a nation of priests, a nation of prophets. He's given you the ability to sacrifice and demonstrate these things. It's instead, give them glory and a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. Give them an exchange. That exchange only comes through sacrifice, death and resurrection. Last of all, he says, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. And so, brothers and sisters, it's the hour to show up. I'm excited. I'm excited. This week, Easter week, this is your opportunity. Sacrifice. Time. Sacrifice in prayer. Sacrifice fast. Sacrifice and show up. Tell people about the Lord. Share the love of Christ. Demonstrate the cross. Do something. Let them know you're a Christian. Publicly show up, people. Amen? Begin to anoint their head with gladness. Set, open up some prison doors. Take five minutes to care for somebody else. You might be late, but that's all right because you're demonstrating through sacrifice. The church is going into a time of sacrifice and the demonstration of the Spirit is going to literally change this community. If you're with me, say amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads, stand together, and let's begin to thank God for the...